Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi. Welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi. I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance. And factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly Ugh, allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next Test Strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over-the-counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to ContourNext.com radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Nation. I'm Trace Rocco. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Greetings from San Diego, California. Joined now by one half of the Sons, Adam. Adam, Mike out. I might mm-hmm. need to bring in a hot seat for him. A little inconsistent with his attendance. <laughs> That's a very fair point. Uh, I'll check into that right away. I know Mike is uh, the purveyor of the hot seats. Maybe I can steal one from him and then put him on it. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be. Uh, Some news out of UCF football today about the spring game and a late afternoon boom. First, the spring game formally announced Saturday, April 16th, high noon at the Bounce House, uh, Easter weekend. So that may be a challenge for some. I know I will be out of town. And uh, Brandon Helwig, UCFsports.com, reporting spring practice. He believes he's hearing set to begin Tuesday, March 15th. Can't come soon enough. We've got to get some of that practice video of nothing happening that we can dissect. Yeah, Trace, I'm counting on you and Jason Beatty and Brandon and uh, Christian Simmons, uh, Andrew Glukov, somebody out there. I, I need to see the spirals. I need to see, can John Reese Plumley actually throw the football? I need to see all that evidence. Uh, look, the springtime is always interesting, right? Because you crave football. Now we've been missing it for a couple of months. The spring game comes and you're always excited about it. And you get there and it's kind of like a glorified scrimmage and a baking hot sun in the middle of April, but uh, it's good to have football to talk about. I don't know what we'll, what we'll learn from this. I don't know if we'll learn anything depth chart wise, if we'll get a chance to see some of these new guys, but the more you can talk about football, the better off your day is. Well, and with the transfer portal, the booms keep coming this afternoon, defensive tackle Lee Hunter out of Auburn. I see him listed six, four, six, five, two, ninety three, ten. He goes by at the under uh, the underscore fridge seven. Uh, big guy, big guy, uh, ranked 12th defensive lineman in the country. A four-star comes over from Auburn, UCF South, getting all those <laughs> Auburn guys now. 
Yeah, I, I saw 6'4", 320 as his listed measurables, which is pretty darn big. Obviously, we lost a couple of guys on the on the D-line front, uh, Kalia Davis, namely. So perhaps this guy becomes uh, one of those guys. But, you know, the transfer portal is that great unknown. You, you think you know something, but this kid has not yet taken a snap as a college football player. And there's some conflicting reports. I know Brandon Hellwood from UCF Sports was talking about he may have opted out his senior year of high school. And then there's some reports that he didn't opt out of high school. So... I don't know if I have clarity on that, but he hasn't played uh, a down yet of college football. So the measurables look good. The four star rating feels good. But we've seen this before with guys coming with some of these, you know, some of these bona fides and you don't quite see it on the field. So more depth up front is definitely a good sign. And while it's kind of a comical thing, you, you got to like the pipeline that Gus is building between, you know, some of that Alabama connection and UCF. The, the more talent, the better. If nothing else, it pushes pushes another guy to get better. So it's a win win. Yeah, reading four years of eligibility from him as well. Uh, A staying kind of got lost for me. I didn't even think about him uh, in terms of staying. Devon Wilson, safety, announced that he was going to be back for another year. He wasn't someone, you know, with a press conference a week or so ago with the four guys coming back, you know, uh, Sam Jackson and Anthony Montalvo, that announcement. Kind of forgot about Devon. Good to have him back as well. Yeah, and his, his little message that he put out, obviously everyone's got the graphics guy now and the six paragraphs and all that stuff, right? And, you know, he mentioned he's got some unfinished business, learned a new position this year, uh, new coaching staff to get used to. So I think it's a good move on his part. To your point, I hadn't thought of that either. I just assumed he was coming back naturally. So to see the graphic initially, I thought, yeah, is he going, is he going out? But uh, luckily he's coming back. And you, you got to think the secondary next year is going to be a strength with all the all the guys coming back, the guys we developed, guys coming off injury, the recruits coming in. You got to think that's going to be a strength for UCF next season. Yeah, and we've talked about who's entering the portal. And, you know, Tatum Bethune is the big loss there. Two names that go into it this week. Running back to Mary is good. Linebacker Herkley Latu. I wish them both well. Neither one of them made a significant impact for UCF. And as you can see in these portal pickups, again, until they play, they are names with measurables, right, and stats. But you can see one by one, Gus Malzahn addressing a need. Yeah, Damaris Good as a kid, obviously, I, we all liked him. He, he was a local kid out of Orlando, uh, just never was able to crack. I mean, think about the guys he was always sitting behind. If it wasn't the late Otis Anderson, it was Greg McRae, you know, it was AK, you know, then it was Bentavious Thompson. Then he, you know, gets to this season. Now he's got Bowser coming in, Johnny Richardson. So he was always just kind of one of those guys caught in that, probably that four or five depth chart lane. So hopefully he's a kid who can find a spot to land, get a couple of carries on film and, and make a name for himself. And Berkeley Latsu, we barely knew you. You just got here last year i don't believe he played a snap all season if i saw the stat correct so uh herkley we barely knew you. he was a big guy though i would have loved to have seen how that worked out i think it was byu like, for a couple of yeah years. he was a massive massive human being so uh we wish those guys both well i mean we say this every week the portal give the portal take away um two guys who are looking for greener pastures uh two really good guys too so hopefully they find that option out there yeah, I'd say, though, other than Tate and Bethune, of course, the Dylan Gabriel announcement, uh, I feel most of these guys, you know, wish them well, but not a big loss for UCF. Again, Tate and Bethune, the big one there. You know, we've been doing this show for a year. Is that right? A year we've been did doing Did you get me anything? It's our anniversary. I, did you I get did me not, anything? I did not. <laughs> uh, missed just one show. I was on vacation the week of the 4th of July, but we have done a year of these. And uh, what better way to celebrate than catching up with Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin? I, uh, I saw that they had an event, a community event uh, in a park right over by where the Tampa Bay Rays play in St. Pete. It was scheduled for Sunday. There was a threat of inclement weather coming in over the weekend on Sunday, and they moved it to Saturday. I was heading over to Tampa anyway for the basketball game. Swung by, not that it's easy to swing by St. Petersburg. You got to go over the bridge and all of that, but uh, caught up with them. How about the walk and talk? I've been debating whether to retire that thing. And then they joined me in it. Well, yeah, if you're going to get more uh, guests like that, Trace, you keep walking and talking your way as much as you want, my friend. Uh, You know, I I think there's a there's a lane for the walk and talk. Uh, I would have liked a speaking part on there. I mean, you guys could have rehearsed that better. I mean, it feels like you ad lib that out, but I'm I'm going to give you a hard time. Ad lib one take because they got pulled away to do something. Yeah. So it was one take. Is that, are they the most famous walk-in talkers outside of yourself, of course? I mean, where do they rank with Robert Aronoff? Or where, where are they in that list? Uh, Robert's right up there. Yeah, I know. He's Robert's a legend. Right up there. So uh, caught up with him for uh, a few moments. Uh, an interview that we're going to release later. 
correct? On the 9.15 p.m. Exclusive. Right. Ding, ding, ding. Interview. Never 9.15. tired of that cliche word. <laughs> yeah, can you? Can't, can't get away from it. 9.15 on our YouTube page. You will see the full interview. And I think, Trace, we have an excerpt here of that conversation. This is, uh, you were talking to both of them and, and Shaquem kind of chimed in about uh, what it's like to go back to UCF and what that means to him. Oh man, it's, it's an amazing experience. It's actually uh, so surreal because it's like it's, I've been gone for so long and I feel that atmosphere shot back up just out of nowhere. I mean, it gave me goosebumps. It's like it was a cold game. I didn't want to leave the field. I, I, I had my family. I had my family in the press box. It was like I can't leave. Like the atmosphere here is like it's like I'm back home. It's like I'm back in college again. I, and just the love the fans showed. It was it was amazing. It was a blessing. I'm glad I chose the right school. Uh, fan favorites, Shaquem and Shaquille Griffin. Again, more of that interview released on the Sun's YouTube channel, which, by the way, when you're over there and you subscribe, check out the extended interview with Josh McMullen. That was a, a really interesting one. And uh, I love how you guys drew out of him, just how much he really likes Mikey Keene at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was, you know, it was hard. He, uh, he he had a light fixture behind the scenes that was working, and then it kind of you know, went out halfway through the interview, so he got uh, progressively darker as the interview went on. I I might have seen the tear being shed there. I mean, for a second there, he he talked glowingly about Mikey Keene, and I'm not going to play in the rumor mill speculation game, but he also talked about another quarterback, and I'll let you listen to it and decide his feelings as you think about what he said about Mikey and what he said about somebody else. I'll leave that to your imagination. Go to the YouTube page, and uh, you can check all that out. Andrew Brito? Yes, no. Andrew Brito. <laughs> yeah. uh, as we keep taking a look at the, the past season and get ready and get closer to that spring game, I asked uh, on my Twitter handle, at Simpez, grade the 2021 wide receivers. We saw a lot of Ryan O'Keefe, and then everybody else, it kind of fell off. 56% said good. You know, I, I love the folks that say excellent. I, I think it'd be, to me, between fair and good. Ryan O'Keefe was standout, but there was drop-off after that. And we've been talking about, we lose Brandon Johnson, but Gus Malzahn, he, he comes in, he, he brings in uh, Kobe Hudson from Auburn uh, with three years of eligibility. And then you saw what they did on early signing day, uh, you know, bringing in a couple of signees as well. Yeah, I was between good and fair as well. I think obviously Ryan O'Keefe takes the uh, the mantle as as a top receiver. Uh, Jay Flash gets hurt. You wonder what his season would have been if he was able to stay healthy. Uh, again, you mentioned Brandon Johnson. I mean, probably an unsung hero on that team. Uh, you know, led the team in, in touchdown receptions. Uh, so he's going to be a big spot to to fill. But this is the season. I think if you think about 2021 and, and flipping the page to 22. We need those transfers that you're talking about, Trace, to really step up and be able to make plays. Deontay Marks and Jordan Johnson, two guys that have come in from uh, Florida and Notre Dame, respectively. And then you mentioned Kobe Hudson. Yeah, we're we're going to need those guys to really kind of step up and uh, you know and and see what they're made of because it, outside of that, it's a relatively inexperienced receiver group. We saw Titus get a bunch of catches. Now he's in uh, UCLA, so we're gonna. It's going to be interesting to see which of those guys step because I think you understand that O'Keefe and Jalen are going to be one too. Amari played at spots and played well. Who's going to step up and be that guy is it a Quan Lee who comes in new or is it a Kobe Hudson a you know a big guy who's got some college football experience you know a point I believe you made it was either on Suns Live or on the pod we talked about the return late in the season of uh, Jay Flash but he hadn't worked with Mikey Keene right you yeah. see the chemistry that Mikey has with Ryan O'Keefe we won't really get uh, insight and clarity on this during spring well you know we won't get much to see and we won't be told much but developing that chemistry and seeing Flash develop that chemistry with Mikey Keene and really become a bigger part of the offense. We knew what he could do with Dylan Gabriel. What can he do with Mikey Keene if, in fact, Mikey Keene is your starting quarterback come fall? So it's interesting. Uh, you'd rather have Jay Flash than not have him. And now you got to integrate uh, Kobe Hudson and uh, and certainly some talent down the line. Quan Lee and Tyler Griffin, Xavier Townsend. Uh, you can see what Gus Malzahn and his staff are doing at the wide receiver position. And I like what I see, but you got to have another guy besides Ryan O'Keefe. Well, you mentioned that it'll be interesting, obviously, you know, is there a quote unquote quarterback competition, right? This spring and in this fall, because, you know, we know we brought in John Rice Pumley. We know Thomas Castellanos is there to your point. If you have a competition, who's going to be able to build rapport with these receivers. If we're kind of rotating, you know, quarterbacks in and rotating reps, you know, will you be able to build that chemistry with whoever that quarterback is? So I'm, I'm curious, and maybe our next guest can give us some insight on that, how a quarterback competition can actually impact the receivers. Cause can you really build that chemistry? I think that could be something to watch for as we get into the, the spring into the fall. 
Yeah, receivers and as well, we're talking a little bit about tight ends. So we bring in our first guest of the evening. You know him, Michael Kalubiali, standout tight end for six, seven years, uh, however many years it was. Hey. Michael, thanks for joining us at the Sons of UCF Live. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Doing well, doing well. You know, you came out of school pre-COVID, but imagine if you'd been there during that, you'd have gotten additional time uh, as a result. I, would, I got the full seven if I, if I was there during <laughs> the during this crazy year, uh, past couple of years we've had. Well, the Suns and their preseason predictions, what was it, Adam? You had 25 catches for tight ends, and I think it was ended up at 19. Is that it? Yeah, uh, yeah over-under was 24 and a half catches for tight ends. Uh, we uh, ended with 19, courtesy of Alec Holler. Yeah, and Jake Hescock moves on. Charlie Browder in the portal off to Tennessee. It's a position you want to see produce more on the offensive side of the ball, don't you, Michael? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, a weapon you have, you know, a tight end uh, divert that uh, really diversifies the offense. Um, if I mean, Alec Holler, you saw him get uh, get some flashes in late in the end of the year. But I mean, if he continues to progress, you know, I was there when he was a freshman. You know, you saw the potential um, and he just keeps getting better and better. So, you know, you hope to see more uh, action from that position going forward. And he had a breakout game against Temple. Gus Malzahn, very active in the transfer portal, also brings in Kimor Gamble from Florida. He could be a difference maker coming up in 22. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's a big body. Um, Alec, I think he's, what is he, a 6'1", 6'2". Um, not, not saying he can't do it all, but, you know, it's, it's good to have that big body. You know, you saw Jake Hescock this past year, um, came in a lot during the run game. And, you know, that's, that's also a big part of the, you know, the offense too. And um, that's why I think one of the, I'm a little biased, but I think the tight end position, you know, the best athletes on the field. <laughs> well, one guy who's maybe second best athlete down on the field uh, is Ryan O'Keefe. And uh, he had a breakout season this past year, 84 catches, uh, was just a man all over the field. When you watch him, Michael, what makes him so good? What stands out to you when you see Ryan O'Keefe play? Oh, he's just so dynamic. You know, he, he can get the ball to the backfield and, you know, he can burn you down the sideline in, in the passing game. Um, you know, he's a great player, you know, great threat to have on the offense. You know, I'm curious to see how, you know, Coach Malzahn gets in the ball, you know, in 2022. I, I feel like uh, I feel like we, we scratched the surface a little bit with using him and his versatility in the Florida game. So, you know, I hope they build on that. You know, I hope they build on, you know, using all the weapons, you know, they got, they got in the transfer portal and, you know, the guys that are, is still developing. Well, we were used to the, the UCF fast system that uh, was implemented, obviously, under Frost and then carried over from, from uh, Coach Heupel. Uh, Gus's system seemed a little bit slower this year, but again, you would know better than, than us. What did you see when you compared the, the old, quote-unquote, UCF fast to what UCF ran offensively, particularly with the receivers this year? Um, you know, it's definitely different, you know, from uh, being in the both systems with Frost and Heupel, but, you know, I feel like Coach Malzahn has a little bit of mixture of both of them and a little bit of mixture of, you know, pro style, like kind of what O'Leary ran. Um, I, I just feel like he tries to get the offense in the right play. You know, every it, it worked at Auburn. You know, it's 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 going to it worked at UCF. So I feel like a one year in the system, um, you know, we did pretty dang well for, you know, the, the circumstances, the hands we were dealt, you know, short, short turnaround, like for spring ball to come up, come up on as fast. I think coach Malzahn was what there for three, three weeks. It's super hard to install an offense before spring and uh, you know, time, time will tell. So I think, I think it's uh, it's, it's going to get flashier and um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, something to be stopped in 2022. Before you hopped on with us, we were talking about chemistry. Jay flash was injured, came back late trying to develop a chemistry with Mikey Keene. And that we're a couple of weeks away from the start of spring practice. How important is that spring practice time in developing that chemistry? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you start this, you start now. So when January comes around and, you know, you're, you're starting your off season workouts or some your, your winter workouts. Um, this is when you, you do that. You get the extra work in, you know, you're, you're in there late at night in the Wayne Dench, you know, throwing routes, building that chemistry with your quarterbacks. Um, after weights, you know, some some sometimes the guys stick around and, you know, you have routes on air and um, you just try to get the timing down. And and that's one thing, like you said, I feel like that it was a little little bit missing last year. And especially when, when Jay Flash got out for a while and coming back, there's a whole new quarterback in there. So uh, it was tough. But, I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, they'll, they'll get the timing down this offseason. This is when you, you know, you perfect your craft. 
we hear about quarterback room, running back room, wide receivers, tight ends, are they typically together? Uh, you're, you're in different position uh, meetings, but, you know, you you definitely, when quarterbacks are doing routes on air, you're you're with the receivers, and uh, when you're doing inside run, you're with the offensive line. So that's why that's why I made that comment earlier. You kind of got to know everything. Um and it's you know you're you're learning from the receiver coach just as much as you're learning from the um, offensive line coach. So yeah, it's it's you got to know both. Michael UCF has a unique scenario this uh, this past season. That the tight ends coach is also the special teams coordinator. As a player, is it is it a challenge when you have a coach that kind of splits responsibilities? To your point, obviously you're you're flipping meetings. How much of a challenge, or is that any challenge at all when there's a coach with sort of split responsibilities? I don't think it's. N- mainly or mostly a challenge um i think you know it could it can be a little tough more tough on the coach you know ha- having to wear many hats um and you know jump from right right from a special teams meeting to a position group meeting um it could it could be tough for him but you know as a from a player standpoint it's not not nearly as tough just you know <laughs> just show you have to perform each and every day on uh, on special teams and practice or you're going to hear it in the in the meeting room with him Obviously, we, we talk about the transfer portal a lot. You were obviously a player for a number of seasons at UCF, and it's a new era, though. I mean, you didn't have to play under this transfer portal stuff. How do you think current players react when you're hearing about the portal all the time and they're looking at this guy and they're looking at that guy? Do you think there's anything to, you know, an upset in team chemistry, or do you think kids today just recognize this is just a system we're playing in now? You know, it's uh, it's it's a weird weird era of college football you know i i just missed it um i can see where it can get a little tough because it's easy to you know say hey you know things get sticky i'm gonna I'm go see what what else is out there but um it i i don't know like it's it's definitely uh it's definitely gonna be something that'll become the new, new normal especially with the nil stuff but um i feel like you know the guys that the guys should commit to the school, um, not to the coach. So, you know, it's, it's, it's where you want to be and, you know, whoever can develop you, you know, the best, you know, go, go for it. But, um, it, it could, it could definitely, in my opinion, cause a little bit of drama in the locker room, but, you know, I feel like that's where the leadership has to step in and, you know, gather the team, you know, from, from, you know, you have, you have, you have a goal of winning the championship every year. So whoever wants to be here and, uh, help, help build this legacy and this dynasty, you know, Let's let's go for it and get to work. Well, let's wrap up with this. On early signing day in his press conference, Coach Malzahn talked about how 14 of the 15 guys inked were high school students, and he really sees them as the foundation. You can see how he's using the portal as well. One of those high school signees, uh, Grant Stevens. How much of an impact do you think a true freshman could possibly have in 2022? Uh, no, you, you know, if, if he performs well in spring, um, is he there for spring? I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah, he is. Um, you know, he, you know, he could be a reckon, a reckoning in the spring. Uh, Tristan Hill, when he, when he came, he was a, he was, he was an impactful freshman, uh, Adrian Killens, you know, you look back to that era, you know, we won seven, eight games or whatever it was. And next year, you know, beat, you know, beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl 13 and 0 season. So, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely there. Um, he can come in, step up right away, but it's not, nothing's going to be given to him. You know, he's going to have to earn it. So um he's got to get the work now learn the plays get after in the weight room and you know he can he could definitely be a a force to be reckoned with well there have been some pictures that have gone viral it looks like he's hit the weight room a time or two already so (laughs) michael galubiali fan favorite former tight end at ucf thanks so much for stopping by sons of ucf live tonight thanks guys thanks for having me thanks mike good to see you michael all right no one would know more right about that position group and i i like what he had to say there about developing the chemistry and uh, this is a team that's really churning and changing right before our very eyes. Yeah, I think it's interesting, though. I mean, he, he mentioned, you know, you, you you come for a school, not a coach. And I wonder how many people take that approach these days, right? Because you're seeing a lot of guys follow coaches to, to different places. But it, listen, if UCF is not successful next season, I think we would all sit here and say it's not a talent issue. 
I mean, the, the talent that Gus is bringing in and, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that obviously talent in has to mean talent out in some cases. Right. But the talent that we're bringing in, you would suspect that UCF will have the ability to, to have some pieces to play with. Now, how do they all fit together? How do they all glue? How do they all gel? That's another story. That's why I'm really, I was really interested to hear his answer about, you know, chemistry and what that means. Cause you know, with the transfer portal, you're sitting at home and you're enjoying a nice Suns UCF interview on, on the YouTube page there. And all of a sudden you get a tweet that UCF's after a receiver. You're like, wait a minute, I'm a receiver. So how, how does that stuff play? I, I'm curious to see how Gus brings that chemistry together for the entire unit and even the assistant coaching coaching staff, because obviously they're with the, with the guys almost as much, if not more than you see Gus Malzahn. You have to be very active in your communication as well. I know we've been asked in the mailbag in the past about how much of this is uh, Gus and coaches pushing players perhaps into the portal. I think they're right. You'd like to think they're having honest conversations about a kid's chances and the depth chart and, and what his prospects are. And, uh, you know, you set up a good segue uh, as we turn the page to, to basketball, right? The talent on this team, can it come together to win? Uh, it was a very interesting thread in which UCF Mike was very active and engaged uh, yesterday uh, uh, talking about uh, Johnny Dawkins. Let's not candy coat it. The loss Saturday in Tampa, embarrassing. Low point of the season, arguably the worst loss in Johnny Dawkins' uh, tenure at UCF. And it looked bad a couple of days ago at East Carolina, down 20. But then they flipped that switch. And that Jekyll and Hyde team, right? Live by the three, die by the three. Brandon Mayhan, 19 points, second half. You can't say it's not a roller coaster. It certainly is exciting to watch. Uh, but uh, it's not clear at this point that this is an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, it's the inconsistency for me, Trace. You mentioned that the cows game. It was that was gross. I mean, it was it was quite simply just a, a gross exhibition of, of basketball. Didn't seem like they wanted to be out there for periods of time. You know, nothing went their way. And you know, I talked about this in the show this week. It's a make or miss league. You're going to miss shots. That's what basketball is, right? But you can always rebound. You can always hustle. You can always play defense. You can always go after loose balls. All that stuff seemed to stop against the cows. And I think that was the more concerning part. Are we going to have nights where we go two for ten from three? Probably. Are we going to have nights where we go eight for 10? Yeah, probably as well. So I think that's the, you know, that's going to be the challenge with this entire process is are we able to stay consistent? And, and when those nights are there, when we're not shooting well, can we actually figure out ways to stay in games, to, to play solid defense and to do things that, you know, that'll happen. I know people are excited about the ECU win and it's a nice comeback. It's a, it's an overtime win. And I don't want to be Mr. Negative here, but I will say this, the main thing you have to do to come back from being down 20 is actually be down 20. And somehow we got down 20. And so I think that's the thing we have to figure out is how did that happen? How do you take what happened in the second half in overtime, bottle that up and use that going forward? Because that's going to be the magic of the season. And that and that that second half, that, that overtime period, you saw fight, you saw heart, you saw guys getting a little emotional on the sideline. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit with BJ Taylor in a few minutes. You saw guys step up like Darius Johnson. You saw guys make shots. Um, so whatever that was in that second half and that in that overtime, how do we bottle that up? Because that's the secret sauce, quote unquote, that we're going to need if we're going to be competitive and, and even sniff a tournament run this season. Well, in the sound bite that I chose from Coach Dawkins, I feel like he's been asked this after games before and he's provided a response before to this question. Right. Uh, this his response on what he hopes the Knights take away from the ECU win. Well, one, you know, when you're behind, you know, you know, you know, no lead is insurmountable. You know, you can work your way back in it as long as you play smart, as long as you understand time and score, and we were able to do that. So coming back is something that our guys will take from this. They know they can come back and win. Uh, they understand what we have to do. We can bottle what we did in the second half execution-wise offensively. I think that will help us. I thought we were really in a good flow offensively. We moved the ball. We, we, we moved our bodies, and guys were able to play off each other really, really well. So that's something that I want us to bottle going forward. But will they? They've got Tulane home Saturday at 2 o'clock. I'm starting to use this phrase, right? Must win. Because if not, then you're on the road at Wichita State, which has been a house of horrors. You've talked about it on the podcast. There's a stretch of, what, four, five, six games yeah. that are tough ones on the schedule. Let's dig into this a little bit more with uh, B.J. Taylor. He's good enough to join us again this week. You know him, stand out at UCF. B.J., welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me back on. Hope you guys are having a good week. It, it seems like we're missing somebody uh, tonight. Mike, Mike is scared, BJ. He's on that ledge again. I, he's listening, but we're going to have to draw him back in. 
we're gonna have to reel him back in. We never yeah. want a man on the ledge, not a fellow. <laughs> well, Mike was really active on Twitter yesterday. He's fired up. He thinks that the talent is there, that this is an NCAA tournament team. Why the inconsistency from your vantage point when they, well, the way they played in that second half uh, or parts of that second half, that is the team we expected them to be game in, game out. The team that they showed against Memphis, the comeback against Michigan. But how do you lose in Tampa and look so flat on Saturday night? Well, to start with the USF game, that came down to offensive boards. I mean, you you can make it more complicated than it is, but when when a team has 21 offensive rebounds um, and we have 26 total, I think USF finished with around 53 boards. I mean, that that's a ton more shots they're getting at the hoop. So combine that with us shooting two of 20 from three against USF on the road in a rivalry game, uh, that that's just really not a recipe for success, right? So I think going into the ECU game, we saw some of those tendencies there in the first half. You know, kind of as you spoke to the inconsistency, the the, the the ability to not be able to play to the highest level that, that we can as a team um, throughout the game. I think it kind of was there in the first half and the second half uh, that, you know, you can tell they went in the locker room, they got it together. And, and to be quite honest, we made shots in the second half. I, you know, like, like I said, this is a team that right now, when we make shots, we, we play much better than a team that, when, when, you know, if you're missing shots, you have to play defense hard. You have to maybe drive the ball, get to the free throw line. And to be quite honest, that's just not the kind of team that we have. We have a team that is, a you know, a, a, a mostly jump shooting team. We depend on that. We rely on that. So when our jump shots are going and we're able to knock down threes, it kind of creates a, a rhythm for us, a snowball effect. But when, when our shots aren't going, um, you know, we can see how, how quickly it can go the other way. So I think moving forward, these you know, these guys are really going to have to dial it in and, and know that every night shots aren't going to fall. I mean, you see it all across college basketball, but shots aren't going to fall every night. So we're going to, you know, we're going to have to find other ways to win and continue to, you know, sort of find ways to be successful. Well, there was a moment in this ECU game in which a little bit of video was out online of C.J. Walker getting pretty fired up, and I wasn't bothered by it. Uh, I thought I, I saw a fiery streak there that he was trying to, you know, get guys motivated, riled up. And that seems to be that missing piece. You know, when we watched you play, we knew uh, how you were as a leader on the court. Do you see this? Uh, you've got a lot of talent in Brandon Mahan, Darius Perry, but do you see that leadership style from them uh, as maybe a missing piece uh, so far this season? Yeah, no, I, I think you've kind of highlighted it right there. You know, you have to have player-led ownership to be a successful team, right? In any sport, football, basketball, you hear coaches talk about it all the time, but it's extremely important, right? Coaches can only do so much, but the players have to hold each other accountable for what is supposed to be done on the court because we're the ones playing, right? It's five on five. It's us five against their five. You know, coaches can, can put in a scheme. They can implement different strategies. They prepare us throughout the week. But at the end of the day, we have to go out there and when we have to perform, right? So when you speak on that fire that you're looking for that you may have seen in past teams, you know, my years, um, you know, we kind of had that um, – and it really comes down to just not being afraid of conflict, right? You have to be able to hold your teammates accountable and you have to be able to tell them, you know, hey, man, we need you to pick it up. You know, you might not say those exact words, might be, a, you know, a few expletives in there, but hey, same <laughs> idea, right? We got to we gotta pick it up. We got to get it going, right? We're a better team than this, you, you know, but you have to come into the game with a mentality and understand that every night in conference play, when you're on the road, it's going to be a challenge, right? I can't recall my teams went, in the Coach Dawkins era, we never lost to USF. We went 8-0 or 9-0. We never lost to USF. Every time we played UC, USF at, at home at UCF, beat them by 15 or 20. Every time we played USF at USF, it was a dogfight for whatever reason. It, it would come down to, you know, maybe I had to make a play at the end or we had to make some free throws, whatever. For some reason, it was going to be a dogfight, right? But as a leader, you know, you have to kind of bring those things to the forefront so your, your teammates are prepared and, and you're prepared yourself for the battle that's ahead. You mentioned it about the Cows game, BJ, 53 rebounds for them. ECU had 42 points in the paint. Uh, is it just a matter of we don't have the size as some of these other teams, or is there something schematically that you think we could do to try to shore up sort of the, the, the inside of the paint? 
I think we've seen us rebound well, right? We've had games where even, like I said, again, ECU, ECU had a dominant big down there. They had a big guy. He played well. But the, the boards that game was 35-32. So it was, you know, a three-rebound difference, which isn't significant. You know, in the in the USF game, there was a significant difference in the want to, right? And, as, and again, as players, that's kind of what I was just speaking on. You have to bring it, right? You have to know USF – is 0-3 in the conference, right? They are 5-10 and 10 on the season, and now they're getting a chance to play us. They're playing their rival. That doesn't mean that they're going to go out there and play bad. The fact that they're 0-3 means that they are hungry. They are starving for a victory, right? So there's no better way than to, to make, make a game close than to just dominate the offensive glass, right? Adam Trace, if I told you guys, it, 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 takes, it takes no skill to go out there and just hustle after a rebound, right? You know, you, you miss the shot, we go chase it down. Miss the shot, we go chase it down. At some point, somebody's probably going to make something. So to answer your question, I don't think it's a size thing. I think we have the ability to do it. It's the sort of the will, you know, the want to, the consistent effort, night in and night out that it takes to sort of be successful. All right, let's talk about something positive for a second. Um, Dre Fuller Jr., a guy who uh, played a ton of minutes in the previous seasons, probably isn't playing as many minutes as he wants this year, but in the ECU game, plays uh, 14 minutes, scores 12 points. Talk about how hard it is for a guy like that who's not sure what his minutes are going to be. Some nights he plays a little bit. Sometimes you know he doesn't play at all. To come into a game like that and stay ready, what does it tell you about a player like Dre Fuller who's ready to answer the bell whenever it rings? No, you've got to give a lot of credit to Dre, right? I mean, that says a lot about his, you know, personal self-determination by staying ready, his willingness to prepare for games, even if, you know, he like you said, he doesn't know exactly how many minutes he's going to get. Um, I think what you're highlighting, it, it kind of brings a bigger point for this team. And um, I was speaking on, on 96.9 The Game with Brandon Kravitz yesterday, and I kind of brought this up. On this team, we have about 10 guys that get in our rotation, right? So as a player, every night, you're, you know you're going to have an opportunity to perform. You're going to have an opportunity to produce, a chance to play, right? And you don't get that on all teams. I've been on teams where we played seven guys, and the other five or six, they knew they keep the shooting shirts on, fellas. They don't even – you're not going <laughs> tonight. You knew. You just knew. But this team, every night, our ten guys in our rotation, I can run them down from our starting five to C.J. Walker off the bench, Darius Johnson off the bench, as you said, Dre Fuller, Jameel Reynolds, and Ty Freeman, these guys are going to get in the game and get a chance to show what they can do, right? So every single one of our players should go into every game prepared because you're going to get a chance. It's not a six, seven man rotation. When I was there, we, you know, coach had that thing to six, seven man rotation. A lot of times we didn't, we didn't get a ton of subs in, um, but this team, everybody should stay prepared because there's you as a player, all you can ask for is an opportunity to contribute and you're going to get that. So every player on this team should be ready for his moment. A lot of fans are fired up about the loss in Tampa. Talk about Coach Dawkins and his style. Some people are questioning whether this team can go to the next level with him. You played for him. What's he like as a coach? Well, well, first off, um, Coach Dawkins has been incredible for UCF. No matter where you stand on you know, your personal opinion on, on his tenure. He's been incredible. This is the most successful six years that UCF has ever had. That's a fact, and, and that's not an opinion. Um, number two, he's a guy who, who's going to bring it the same way every day, right? He has a standard. He knows what he wants the team to be capable of, and he knows what the team needs to do to succeed, right? I've never seen Coach Dawkins get on a roller coaster of emotions in terms of, okay, we won now it's time for us to chill. Or we lost, now it's time for us to turn it up. No, he, he truly is the same guy every single day, right? I think the biggest thing is, you know, for this team and, and you know, speaking to our, you know, our fan base because we're extremely passionate and I love our passion. We have one, you know, we're, like I said, we have great fans in terms of being passionate and we want to see our, our team succeed. Um, but for the people who have, for the fans and whoever has a gripe, you know, I, I would just say, you need to look at what the coach is responsible for and, and, and understand that Coach Dawkins is, is doing what what he's responsible for as a coach. I mean, it, it's, it's weird for me to feel like I have to sort of defend that, but it's, it's, he's definitely doing, you know, what he's responsible for. This team knows what it's capable of doing, right? We've seen this team have its moments where they've been exceptional, right? So if I'm in the locker room as a player, I'm like, guys, we know what we have to do. 
we've practiced, we've, we've, we've done it all. I mean, listen, Trace, Adam, nobody practices more than college basketball. I can tell you that right now. You practice all summer, you go to fall practice, you have a month of preseason practice before the season starts, then you get into pre, pre-conference play. And now these guys are six, seven games into conference play, right? There isn't much more, you know, in, you know, I guess um, elaborate coaching that's going to be done by any of the coaches in the country, right? The players at this point are going to have to, you know, sort of take ownership of the team and, and really decide how far they, they want to go. And, and my last point would be this. You know, the, the first time I was on the show, you guys asked me that I think this team was a tournament team and that I think we were capable of achieving that. And I told you that, that yes, we work, we are capable of going to the tournament, right? But that's not really what matters. What matters is what this team is willing to do to achieve that goal, right? So the willingness to prepare right every day, the willingness to hold each other accountable, the willingness to have conflict with each other. It's extremely important. It can't be over overlooked because you asked me if we're if we're capable, and I'm sorry to give such a long-winded answer, guys, but you asked me if we're capable. We are, but there's probably 110 teams in the country that are capable that have the talent so it's going to come down to to those little things that are going to make a difference for us down the stretch and i'm i'm rooting for us and hopefully we can you know get those things done how much of the inconsistency though falls on coaches and coaching you just said that players have got to decide what they want and how they want to play yeah what responsibility do you hold coach dawkins and his staff to getting those players motivated well, I, I would say this, number one, and I mentioned this again on 96.9 The Game yesterday with, with, with Brandon, but, and this isn't about Coach Dawkins. This isn't, this is a general coaching statement in general for coaches in all sports. You see it across football, basketball, whatever you like, you see it. Coaches often get too much credit for some wins and they get too much blame for some losses, right? I'm going to say that again. They get too much blame for for some way they get too much credit for some wins and too much blame for some losses and what i mean by that is whenever something goes wrong the first thing we do as fans because we're passionate and we care is we blame the coach right everything is the coach's fault the guy's not making shots up i guess the coach didn't do a good enough job up this guy doesn't have energy tonight i guess it's the coach's fault right and then when the team succeeds and the team you know wins and a guy makes shots it's like oh i guess the coach must have done something different right Coaches set the culture for the program, right? They set the direction of the team. They hold everyone accountable for what their responsibilities are within the program. That They definitely do that. You can't succeed without great coaching, right? But when it comes down to, to you know those 40 minutes on the court between the lines, at the end of the day, the players have to perform. They really do. And I, I'll give you a good example. I was watching ESPN First Take just on Monday after everybody's you know, roasting the Cowboys and everybody's you know on their back as they should. Michael Irvin said, listen, we can talk about Mike McCarthy. We can talk about Jerry Jones, but the stars didn't show up for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott didn't show up as he should. CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, all these guys, right? At the end of the day, the players have to perform, especially when we've seen the success, right? Once you've had the success as a player and as a team, it's kind of on you guys to really bring this thing together, right? And, and 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 we still have the opportunity to do that. So I'm really hoping that moving forward that we can, you know, get this thing, get this thing moving right towards March. Because as you said, it's it's a sense of urgency time. You know, it really is. All right, BJ, we have a question from one of our listeners. I'll put it up on screen for you. It's John who wants to, who says essentially, hard to be consistent when your best player isn't the same guy from game to game. When things get tough, no one knows who to turn to. Is there in your mind, is that is there some truth in that statement? Well, no, he's, he's, he's correct. I think he's right. And that's what I spoke to. You know, this team is trying to find consistency from game to game. You know, that, that's really what we're looking for. If you look at successful teams across the country, you know, they, they have a nucleus of guys, a core two, three, maybe four that they know every single night. I can count on this guy to give me what he's supposed to give me. It might not even be 20 points, but I know he's going to give me his eight boards. I know when he's guarding the post, he's going to do what he's supposed to do. I know that he's going to bring it defensively, right? You're looking for the consistency in our guard play right now and moving, like I said, moving forward into March, we we have to be able to, to find that. We have to be able 
to do those things because without it, it's very tough to be successful, right? I mean, again, you know, my last season, you know, we we could depend on our, our nucleus. We had Aubrey Dawkins, who was going to play his role as, you know, a, a great shooter, good transition player. We knew Taco was going to man the paint and be big down there and dominate the low post. And, and, and you know, if, and if a game was close, you know, we we counted on me to close it out. And we, we you know, we knew if it was a four or five point game, we felt comfortable that, hey, you know, we could put the ball in my hands and I'll bring us, I'll bring us home. Right. So, you know, you, you have to sort of earn, you know, that, that responsibility, but the guys definitely have to be consistent. And as a player that comes down to what you're doing, you know, day in and day out, the self-determination and the self-responsibility you take in your own game to continue to improve and be prepared for a game night in and night out. What's your mentality going into the game? Are you prepared? Did you watch the film? Do you know how to attack the other team so that you can be successful, which in turn makes the team successful, right? It's, it's very difficult for a coach, again, and you see this in football a lot. You might have an extremely talented quarterback, right? Extremely talented. But you never know when he might just throw a, a completely errant pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have no clue. You're like, he's talented, great arm strength, guy can move, he's mobile, he moves, he, he does everything, you know, from a physical standpoint, great. But you just never know when he might just throw a, 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 a you know, a jump ball, throw an errant one. It's hard for a coach to kind of teach a player to be consistent. A lot of that comes down to your own, you know, again, pre preparation, substitution, and, and, you know, you know, what you can, what you're doing day in and day out to prepare the games. When you're not doing skills training, are you available for corporate gigs, motivational speaking? Because I think any office would love to have you come in and well, fire them up. Listen, I'm, I'm available for anything that anybody would like me to go up to. I'm, I'm a retired former athlete. So anything that is available, I will be there and, and I would love to do it. We, Nick Patty may need to watch out. I think we, maybe BJ becomes our football analyst too. He's got some pretty good football uh, uh, knowledge as well. What you guys don't know is number one, my dad was a college quarterback. He played four years of college football and I played football until I was 15. I played varsity football my freshman year of high school and I watch college football every Saturday, all day, college game day at 10 until the Pac-12 comes on at 10 o'clock at night here for a time. I catch it all from it. I'll catch it all. So See I you later, Nick Patty. <laughs> all right, Nick, you've been put on blast there. We may have a football analyst. Listen, listen, short story. This is, again, because I had the football background. I think I've told Trace this before. So when I was in middle school, Nick was in high school at Dr. Phillips. And I would go to at least three or four games a year and watch Nick Patty. Uh, they had Demetrius Hart at running back who went to Alabama. And they had Ha Ha Clinton Dix playing safety and it was some of the best high school football I've ever seen. So I'm not, I, I could never take Nick's job as a football <laughs> analyst. He got that on a lot. Trust me. But he could take Mike's job. I'm just floating that okay, just here yeah. as we thank you again, BJ, for being on with us this week. Tulane Saturday at Wichita State Wednesday. Maybe we'll get back with you a week from now and regroup on maybe a 2-0 week for the Knights. BJ Hopefully Taylor, thanks Happy for being Thursday, here. Guys. Have a good one. Thanks, All BJ. Right. All right. We always, anytime Mike's out, we're having auditions. We had Biggie in the seat uh, and uh, BJ. Uh, it's just, it's on. just too bad. BJ can't get more excited about stuff. And it's just too bad. He's so low key. I just wish maybe some more energy next time. I don't know. Uh, let's go around the kingdom real quick before we get into those mailbag questions. Women bas women's basketball receiving votes now. They take care of business with the cows. They get the three points in the war on I-4 rivalry. Uh, they had a game scheduled for Wednesday, postponed COVID issues at SMU. At Cincinnati Saturday, back home against Tulane on Wednesday. They're giving up uh, less than 50 points a game. And if you're doing that, you're going to be in games. So uh, receiving votes should be ranked, really. Uh, tennis is underway. Men, 11th ranked. They dropped uh, theirs to 8th ranked Georgia. They are at number one ranked Florida on Sunday. 11th ranked women's tennis opens against Penn on Saturday. Congratulations to Latasha Smith, the AAC track athlete of the week, indoor track season underway. And a big welcome. You had her on the podcast. You need to re-release that, perhaps, that interview with Michelle Akers, soccer legend, perhaps the greatest athlete, really, in UCF history, joining the NWSL's Orlando Pride as an assistant coach under new head coach Amanda Cromwell, who used to be 
the UCF women's soccer coach. Speaking of UCF women's soccer coach, Stephanie Roberts, the Haydack today, named as an assistant coach for the U.S. women's national team during training camp. So we are starting to heat up softball, baseball right around the corner as well. All right, mailbag time. Guess what we've got? We've got a little walk and talk. What? Rolling. What's up, UCF Biggie? Out here on a walk. Had me thinking. You know the saying, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Shame on you, UCF basketball, because you're shaming on all of us, because we fooled us every single time. You win one, you win a good one. What do you do? What do you do? You tease me. You tease me to believe in. So my question to you is, sons of UCF, what's missing? What is it that's missing? Because we got seniors. We're not a young squad. This isn't something new. We've seen it before. So why are we having repeats again, huh? Repeats. Same players, same repeated actions and results. I don't know, but I want to know. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you change it? Because it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating. Got some basketball questions in addition to Biggie's at 397. What's the number one problem with the men's basketball team? Talent, coaching, player leadership at D-I-K-A-I-A night. A lot of letters there. Does UCF <laughs> Mike have Hawkins hot seat set to high sear or pizza oven hot? I am not on camp. Dawkins needs to go. Uh, I, I, I support what BJ just said there, that this has been the greatest stretch in the modern era. I no disrespect to the Torchy Clark time frame, but that's apples to oranges from where we are now. And I think what BJ talked about, I think what we saw in that outburst from CJ Walker, this is a team, maybe it's Darius Johnson's team at some point. This is a team that needs leadership. And I don't know here on the 20th of January with some important games coming up that those leaders are necessarily Darius Perry or necessarily Brandon Mayhem. Yeah, we talked about this in the pod this week, Trace. It's interesting to identify who is that leading player? Who is that guy? Clearly, like, BJ was the guy when he was there, right? You can think back. Dexter Lyons was a guy when he was there. You go back to all the great teams and all the great players. You can you can think of that guy. And and, and this team, it, I think the question earlier that was asked is it's, it's, it's night to night. Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to step up? I will say this. For a true freshman, the way that Darius Johnson got in the huddle, got C.J. Walker out of there, was calming him down, was bringing him back to the huddle, basically having him sit back down, listen to coaches. That showed a lot of maturity for a true freshman. To your point, I'm not saying he's the leader. I'm not saying that he's going to be that guy, but I definitely thought that was interesting. And the hot seat thing, listen, it, it, certainly things are not going as consistent as we thought they were going to be. At some point, there needs to be an examination of, of why that is. I don't know that that Johnny's an inconsistent coach game to game, right? Is he like, hey, yeah, this, this game, let's run this game plan. And ah, next game, we'll do this one. There's some, some consistency there. For whatever reason, that's not sinking in. And I think that's where you have to figure out, is that a player issue or is that a coach issue? Um, and the, the reality is we've seen our players be a little too streaky for me to say it's fully a coach issue. Do I think that there's opportunity for that team to get better? Yes. Would I like to see Johnny get up and maybe, you know, get a phantom technical foul to fire the guys up? Yeah, maybe. But is that going to guarantee a win? A win? No, it's not. So I think I think it's a little 50-50. I think it certainly is a good idea to, to do some analysis, do some deep dive. Who are your leaders? What can we do differently? And if the seat is warming, I think that's fair because you can't lose to the cows like that. That's just not what we do here. So I, I think there's some pressure that can be brought to bear, but I don't know that I have the pizza oven seat on. I don't know that Mike does or doesn't. I think Mike just wants consistency. And if that's a Dawkins issue, then I think Mike would be all for um, Dawkins potentially going on that hot seat. I, I just don't see that this consistency issue is going to solve itself unless a Darius Perry or Brandon Mayhan decide to be 40 minutes night in and night out. We'll see what they do Saturday. Uh, Mary at Mary Ashbaugh six. What's it going to take for the women's basketball team to get ranked? I just don't get it. Brand, right? It's just not a brand in women's basketball and rankings are based a lot of times. We see it in football, other sports brand. All they can do is keep doing what they are doing holding teams to under 50 points a game and, and uh, them being consistent, right? That has been a trademark. When you talk about maybe a contrast between Coach Abe and Coach Dawkins, certainly under Coach Abe, there's been a consistency, a tenacity on defense that has been a hallmark of her teams. And uh, we need to see more of that defensive intensity that we saw the Knights play against Memphis a week or so ago 
Will we see it on Saturday? I don't know. At Night Fan 94, who wins the Big 12 championship first? UCF football or women's basketball? Football. Uh, football. Yeah, because they, women's basketball, there are only, I don't know, there aren't 10 deep, really great teams, and those couple dominate the heck out of the sport. Yeah, Baylor obviously being in, in the Big 12 is a huge roadblock, right? Similar to our, our UConn problems for all those years. And I'll go basketball. What the heck? I'll roll the dice. I'll go women's basketball. At Golden Knight underscore the second. Haven't seen you in a while, Golden Knight. Welcome back. Still trying to wrap my head around the transfer portal. It's value, but would you rather get a five-star athlete transfer from another school that has no stats? Kind of got one of those today, right? <laughs> or a four-star that committed to you from the start and signed his, uh, you know, letter of intent? I'm going to do a math equation here. I'm going to go with the five-star transfer because he can't go anywhere. <laughs> now he's ours. The, the four-star who is committed to us in today's day and age, you got to keep re-recruiting your current player. So if I'm getting this transfer guy, this is his first one-time free transfer. I now have him for the rest. I guess I'll roll the dice there because it's easier to not have to keep re-recruiting your own players. At Asmara, what are the pundits saying about our trajectory under Gus so far? Predictions on where we could be at the end of this recruiting cycle. By the way, now you see anything that Gus does gets posted by the national media, right? Just the mm -hmm. value of being here. UCF gets a lot of uh, credit in the national media landscape with every boom. Speaking of booms, by the way, it was not the Gus Malzahn account that released that boom uh, this afternoon. Uh, it was UCF football. Haven't heard anything in a couple of days. Again, Continued good wishes and thoughts, uh, prayers, if that's how you believe, uh, for Coach Malzahn's wife, Christy, uh, mentioned a couple of days ago, uh, recovering uh, from an infection is what UCF released. But note, the boom did not come from Gus today, no doubt, uh, concentrated and concerned with family. At Rejoice Nights, what holes do we need to fill on the football team this coming season, especially to have some depth? I think he's been addressing it. Now, whether to your satisfaction, perhaps the quarterback is who you'd want to see. I think he's been addressing need by need. Yeah, I, I thought about the only thing I wrote down was defensive end. I feel like we've shorn up the middle of the line. You know, DN, I know we have uh, Trayman Morris Brash, Josh Seliscar, but I don't I don't know who's behind those guys. So maybe on the DN side, I feel like we've, we at least have gotten some uh, some interior help. So I'll go DN. I would have gone linebacker, but I think we, we brought some guys in there. It's definitely not running back. O-line's been solidified. Secondary looks pretty solid. So I'll go DN specifically just because you're making me pick one. And kicker, maybe. Colton Boomer. Punter. Punter. Punter, maybe. By the way, say Colton Boomer on his Twitter with a long board. I don't, I don't want to see him on a skateboard. I want him, I want him in bubble wrap. I don't get, want to get a helmet at least. Yeah, I don't want to get a skateboard. Uh, at night underscore merchant, UCF joins the Big 12 in either 23 or 24 with the earliest opportunity 17 months away. What needs to happen and, and how soon will we know? Um, interesting CBS article uh, out, cbssports.com article out this week with maybe possible divisions that was uh, was interesting. I know that's not answering the question, but the possible Big 12 South of UCF Baylor. UCF knows Baylor. They beat them. Houston keeps that rivalry. TCU, Texas. We've seen Texas in the bounce house before. Texas Tech, West Virginia would be your Big 12 South. Uh, maybe it's as Oklahoma and Texas go, but it doesn't look like that's being worked out. I still wonder if they stay to the full length of that time or whether they leave, but they're floating this idea of 14 teams. They're all negotiating that, right? It's certainly not going to be in this 22 year. I think the thought internally is still that it would happen in 23. It's just a dollars thing, right? What they negotiate yeah. with the AAC. What needs to happen here is money. Uh, some I don't know. Do, do people still write checks? Because somebody from from UCF or the American has to run over with one of those big checkbooks, one of those happy Gilmore checks, and bring it over to the Big Twelve or whoever it's owed to. Because that that's really the holdup at this point is is the money game, uh, you know, and and who can whose lawyers can negotiate the best. Lonely B was asking about how you see the tight end position uh, shaking out. I, I think that uh, Al Collar is going to going to give a give a run for it. But you bring in the Florida kid, uh, there's some competition, and that's what you want, right? You want competition yeah. to every position. Well, I can't imagine Keymore Gamble came here to block, right? So yeah. I, I have to assume that part well, does of does he the, have one year? Does he have one year of eligibility? I, yeah, he has one year left. Yeah. Yep. 
I can't imagine Gus was like, dude, you're going to be great on the end. Just start mowing down deep. I don't think that was the sales pitch. So I assume, I hope that that means Gus was showcasing, highlighting how he wants to leverage the tight end in his system. Uh, and, and obviously, Keymore Gamble fits that bill. I mean, Holler played well when in stretches we had him, but I don't know that we went to him as much. So again, I can't imagine Keymore is here to set the edge every, every play. At Austin F, what home game are you most excited about next season? Louisville. I said Cincinnati, man. We need some revenge. I mean, you know, th- their fans have talked a lot. Obviously, they got to the college football playoff. They've now taken that, you know, that mantle as the best group of five, quote unquote, team. So I think we need a sweet old fashioned revenge game. So I think Cincinnati, uh, hopefully it's a it's a primetime style game. I think that's a good one to be at. Uh, at Stat Boy, Drew, Andrew, what's your comfort food after a loss? And Joyce then followed with, and does it differ depending on which sport is in season? Comfort food after a loss. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I have one. I'm not sure why nachos isn't the correct answer. Uh, nice, but you have, you in terms of nachos after the Navy loss, <laughs> I might have. I have. I have very few recollections in terms of beverage. I don't have a beverage. I want to point out, Trace. But for Christmas, one of the wonderful people at my work got me something called a Brewmate. It is this contraption that looks like it's uh, kind of like a koozie, but it's uh, it's metal on the inside. You put it in your fridge, you make it cold, you put your drink in there. That thing stays cold for hours. So I don't care what it is I'm drinking. If I have the brewmate, I'm all good. And by the way, the answer is seltzer. But if I have a brewmate, I think I'm all set on that too. So that's my answer, Joyce, is my, or, or UCF365. I think it's Tony. Get me a brewmate and you can give me everyone. Yeah, UCF365 asking what's your favorite uh, mug to, to drink yeah. your, your beer or your seltzer. Uh, yeah. Robert, uh, who seeded the walk and talk space to Biggie this week, and we encourage you, send in your walk and talk. We'll play it on the show. Uh, first, his question is, Adam, what was for breakfast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yogurt and a protein bar. Every, every day we start off with some yogurt and a protein bar. And then he adds what seems to have caught some interest yeah. uh, even Shaquem griffin today uh, weighing in on twitter after listening to this week's pod i need to know the size and locations for the proposed matching yeah. tattoos yes. could you let me, could you remind yeah. folks let i'm me, sure let everyone me, watching has yeah. listened to the pod but if they haven't uh this has been floated i don't know that i have agreed yeah, available where you get all your fine podcasts. So Josh McMullen this week revealed to us that several of the offensive linemen have the words thick fellas tattooed on their bodies. I think at various locations, he didn't reveal all those, nor did I want to ask where the word thick fella may be located on you did uh, a ask large how gentleman it was of that. Spelled, though. I, I laughed at that. Yes. <laughs> Two C's or a K, I want to get the spelling correct. So uh, somehow Mike then uh, posited that perhaps the three of us should get Sons of UCF tattoos kind of as a, as a bond, similar the old lineman i then stated that ain't happening unless we get 10k youtube followers so that's where i'm at 10k youtube followers then it's a consideration robert is all in on when does he start the campaign how much does the billboard cost he's gonna at this point i think he may try to do them himself which i'm not sure is a great idea so that is where the tattoo thing trace mike has you as an ardent non-tattoo living member of society i all I agree with him. I think he was a really very um, uh, insistent upon that. So can you confirm or deny the tattoo uh, element of one trace Trucco? No tattoos, no particular okay. opposition to them. No tattoos. Okay. Uh, when I was in local TV news, I used to be participate in a thing called the reading buddies program where I would talk at local schools and one school had a challenge that if they read 250 books or whatever it was that the teacher and the principal, they were going to douse uh, chocolate syrup and whipped cream all over, make them into banana splits. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. they challenged me to do this. Well, I don't want to do this. Right. So I said, oh, the challenge is 250. If you read uh, 2000 books, it was going to be impossible. Yeah, darn it. If these kids didn't do that. And if I didn't have to get doused. So I am reluctant to embrace the 10,000. We're a long way away from that. I know we are. I know. For a long time. I, I would throw in the further caveat that uh, that there has to be a deadline. It can't be indefinitely. Uh, so, okay. you know, regroup with Mike if, if in fact, he's oh, not that's my, a- yeah, that's my ally on this is regroup with Mike. Okay. Regroup with Mike. Let's see what the 10,000 YouTube subscriber challenge consists of and a deadline. So it can't be indefinite, you know, where it happens. Not that it wouldn't happen soon, but mm. from where we are now. <laughs> After that Griffin out. interview, Trace, it's just going to take right off. You know what I mean? Segway, right? Uh, reminder, coming up shortly. Uh, follow 
uh, Sons of UCF YouTube channel, which is to me yeah. a big mouthful to say, but you'll hear from Shaquille and Shaquem. You'll see Josh McMullen, other content on there. I like what you're doing with that, uh, bringing that element out of the podcast and, and thrown out there because it brings you maybe yeah. a different audience and you get to see him, which is a it's different. Been, yeah. uh, it's been interesting. Like the Josh McMullen um, interview, right? The question about Mikey Keene, it's really his facial reaction and kind of the way he backs away from the computer and kind of puts his head down. So we've enjoyed doing the video stuff. Obviously not everybody is going to have the ability to, to join us via video. So we'll try to do the, those as much as we can, but nine fifteen sons of UCF, YouTube page, YouTube channel, get on there, subscribe. Uh, you will see trace with the Griffins about a six seven minute conversation talks a lot about their um uh you know their charitable endeavors and what they're doing while it's important to them some ucf talk some jaguars talk does trace ask about urban meyer you're gonna have to tune in and find out <laughs> did I? I i forget now it's been so many days and i've been traveling so i want to thank michael Kalubiali. always a great one to have on the show of course bj taylor he's a little outspoken we miss mike this week celebrating a year of the sons of ucf live couldn't do it without you, Adam. Couldn't do it without all of you who watch us, listen on the replays, send in your questions, your walk and talks. Uh, you've made this uh, a really special hour that we get to spend with you every week. Yeah, no, big thanks to everyone out there who listens and follows. It's amazing to me. Uh, I have uh, two young children. Uh, I can't get them to listen to me for five minutes yet. You people have invested an hour for 52 straight weeks. So I don't know what you're doing wrong, what I'm doing right, what they're doing right. I have no idea. But uh, the Sons of UCF does not exist without you all. So uh, many thanks and uh, stick with us. We'll try to do some more fun stuff in the next 52 episodes. All right. We look to welcome Mike back in next week. We will see you Thursday between 8 and 9, streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. For Adam, I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights, everyone. Charge on, everyone. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. And save up to $700 on ceiling. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm. As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.